Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hi, my name is Jeremy Lightning, and I am here with the whole Zondag family. Uh, welcome to our Thirsty Podcast. And uh, if you don't know the Zondags, they are members of uh, our Water of Life Church, and uh, you should get to know them. They're a great family. Um, our guest today is Pastor Thad Bitter, and uh, we're glad to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So, Thad, uh, why don't you tell our listeners how you and I know each other? Oh, man, we go way back. We go back to uh, um, Northwestern College, right? You, you, you mean you want the soccer story? You can tell whatever stories you want. Uh, <laughs> you were the little guy who kept getting knocked down on the soccer field that I was impressed kept getting back up, right? <laughs> so... Um, that's, that's kind of how we, we, we met cause, cause, uh, um, uh, that was freshman year at Northwestern college. And, and, uh, uh, I think, uh, after that, we ended up rooming together for a couple of years at, at Northwestern and, uh, we would, you'd come to my house, I'd go to your house and work, and then you'd come to my house and I'd go over to your house and work. And, and, uh, um, you know, I think, I think that's basically, basically what happened is is that you use me for labor at your on the yep. farm I you know that's this. kind of funny that's kind of funny because like when when we send our kids over to the zarling house they they end up working <laughs> that is it is a zarling tradition that my dad does and my and i do and my my wife and my daughters hate it but it's tradition and so once dad would come to the house we put up a corn crib that's right and when i would go to his house we would play basketball uh, in his front yard. I remember playing up to a hundred and then we had to win by two. So it was like, I, I won 125 to 123. Cause I, I don't remember. remember that. I, I don't yeah. remember that. But... Yeah. I don't ever remember losing. <laughs> uh, but uh... yeah, Thad and I have known each other for a long time since college. And uh, Thad was in town in Racine in October to preach for my 25th anniversary in the ministry and I told Thad that I remember going out to Oakfield where he had grown up and his dad was pastor and we were there for his dad's 25th anniversary but you know Thad your dad was old yeah. at his 25th anniversary not like us not like us we're, we're we don't age so so uh yeah and it doesn't seem like too long after that my dad retired so so maybe retirement's right around the corner for us right I'm all for that. I, I, I age. I, yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't want to age. Cause if you, if you don't age, then uh, you, you can never be called mature. Have you met Mike? Yeah. I, there aren't too many people that call me mature, Jeremy. <laughs> so Thad is out in Portland and you've been there, I think 18 years. So what's ministry like in Portland? Okay. So I mean, Portland is, is, um, a unique ministry, you might say. So, so when I got called out of the seminary, I, I went to Lee Sewer, Minnesota, you know, so small town America. Um, we didn't have, we didn't have stop signal lights in Lee Sewer, right? And so, um, um, how do you spell that? Lee Sewer? Yeah. L E S U E U R. Okay. That's where they had the Jolly Green Giant. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it is the Valley of the Jolly Green Giant, and and uh, so it is literally small town 
America, and um, I loved it there. We 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 were really blessed to be there. Um, did some really cool things with the congregation there, and then and then uh, got the call out here in two thousand and four. And uh, I'd always even even before um, you know we were in Lesur growing up. Uh, going to school, I, I got opportunity to come out to the Pacific Northwest uh, several times, loved it out here, wanted to end up out here. And the Lord, uh, you know, gave me the call, to, the opportunity to come out here. So, so um, we, we took it and we moved to Portland and um, um, the city has definitely changed, you know, in the last 18 years. When we moved into Portland, it was, we were so impressed with how clean it was and how beautiful it was. And, and everything that that Portland had to offer, and and you know, of course, in the last eighteen years, a lot of that has, has changed, um, not just in Portland, but in the in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so the ministry has changed out here; it's become uh, more challenging, you, you might say. I mean, everything that you see on TV about Portland is is accurate, um, whether that be you know the homelessness. Um, the the riots, the uh, you know the the liberal attitude of the of the of the county that we live in. Interestingly enough, Oregon in and of itself is is native Oregonians are are actually pretty conservative people. Um, it, it's 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 uh, the influx from other states, especially the one to our south, um, that that really brings a, a more uh, liberal attitude in, into into Portland, uh, and, and that and that brings in along with it a lot of the problems that we're dealing with now with with homelessness and uh, um, lawlessness. You might say goes on a lot. Um, uh, prostitution, uh, rioting, uh, you know, across the board. So, uh, someone asked me when we were at at San Antonio, you know, what 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 the, what is the target audience? in portland um you know and, and it's, it's so varied out here it's hard to you know nail down well what is the target audience and and i and i said it was i, I think it, it's it's apathetic agnostics <laughs> it is is really what i would say is what you run into the most they're apathetic agnostics um and and they need to hear about jesus uh um and, and we have the opportunity to do that. But, but I mean, yeah, it does bring with it a whole bunch of challenges as far as, as ministry is, is concerned. And, you know, I could literally probably spend the next hour just talk, telling you about Portland ministry stories. But, you know, um, just, just, just a great example, like last Sunday, right? Last Sunday, um, before we started church, there had been a car parked out in front of the church, which is, which is normal. Uh, that I thought was abandoned, and uh, turned out that that car uh, was actually a pimp's car, <laughs> and uh, and he had uh, a prostitute with him, and they were uh, working the area in front of church on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so, so uh, um, usually that exists a couple blocks over, um, but it's never happened like right in front of church on a on a Sunday morning. So. So, uh, of course, we went to invite them to church, but um, um, it, it became very obvious that, that, that he did not have his conceal and carry permit, and he was definitely carrying. Oh, boy. So, so uh, um, we, we, we uh, uh, 
just kind of monitor, monitored the situation. But even with situations like that in Portland, um, you know, at the moment we can't call the police. We can, but they're so overwhelmed with other calls that uh, they, they can't assist in, in those situations. So uh, you'll have to deal with a lot on your, on your own. Same thing, you know, when the church has been broken into here many times. Um, I told Mike that not too long ago I had a, somebody with a meth break into my office when I was here. Um, and I escorted him out of the building. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging, but when, when you're thinking about Portland, um, it's, it's really, you know, two, two worlds. There's a lot of mess, homelessness and trash and, and crime and whatnot in the city, but just outside the city, it is stunningly beautiful. Um, I don't know if, I know Mike's been out here and it rained the whole time you were here, I think, right? <laughs> Uh, we, we got some good hiking in. But uh, I don't know if, Jeremy, have you ever been out this way? No, uh, have not. Uh, Washington, either state. Uh, have been to your that neighbor to the south you mentioned. But um, actually, I, I've got a great-grandfather that, was, on my mom's side, was a pastor and then retired out to Oregon. I don't know if it was Portland area, but uh, retired out there to farm. Okay. Or, or it was more like gardening. And um, then the other thing I was going to say is I, I think I remember hearing some, I think they were Missouri Synod pastors uh, online. One time I heard them talking about ministry in Oregon and they sort of said it was like the people at either extreme of the political spectrum are so extreme that they almost end up overlapping. It's mm-hmm. like the, Whoever the, you know, the, the liberal, most liberal that you can think of and the most extreme conservative that you can think of are both so extreme that they, that they almost end up agreeing on more than they end up disagreeing. Or rioting. Or <laughs> so, rioting. <laughs> they either end up agreeing or rioting. And, 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 and so th- those, uh, yeah, no, I think that, that's, that's, that's a, a somewhat accurate statement. Um, but, but, you know, to me, it, it's, it's it's the contrast between, um, you know, kind of where the, our church and school is, um, the neighborhoods that we're in, in, in the mess we have to drive through, you know, to, to get there. But, but, man, you just look outside the city. And you don't have to go very far. I mean, I could be on Mount Hood in, in uh, an hour, one hour, I'd be standing on Mount Hood. Um, and, and, so you're, you live by Mount Hood? Yeah. So that is now I uh, am a home brewer and uh, there's a there's a strain of hops that uh, comes from there. huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, um, uh, Oregon is uh, or Portland in and of itself for microbreweries is a mecca. It is it is a, a wonderland of of uh, of breweries here. So and you could go to brewery after brewery after brewery and never run out of breweries to go to so so and we have people that come out here just for that purpose to portland just to visit breweries in 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 the microbreweries and and uh, uh that's a big 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 deal out here is brewing your own beer so um, there you go jeremy you enjoy that aspect of it you got to make a trip jeremy so, so, and stay, out like of the, me, stay like, out of the downtown area yeah, downtown area. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and, and honestly, you know, where our church is, 
downtown is 12 miles from here. So it's, it, we can see it in the distance, but um, even when all the riding was going on, it doesn't really affect the outlying suburbs of Portland. Um, so uh, it's, it's pretty contained to downtown. So in that sense, it's not as bad as the news would portray it. You know, the entire city of Portland is not on fire. Um, you, you can, oh. you can find it, but, but uh, um, you know, you can drive by it. Homelessness is everywhere though. Yeah. And that's one of the things I was going to say, Jeremy, that Shelly and I went out uh, to Portland uh, to Thad's place five years ago for our 20th anniversary. And, you know, here in Racine, we have homelessness just like you do everywhere. But uh, the two contrasts that Thad is talking about, you can go right outside the school there and you see the, uh, the bike trail and then the homelessness is there, all the needles and everything. And yet, uh, it was a short trip, like Thad said, just to go hiking. And I remember one of the hikes that I went on with Thad and two of his boys, we, we lost the trail and we thought we were on a trail and, uh, we ended up going on a place that was still covered with snow and this was summer. And it was a really steep hill that we never should have crossed because it was one or 2000 foot drop, but we did it. And then we, we photographed and videoed it on the phones too. And we, Thad's wife's name is Kim. And so we called that the don't tell Kim trail, (laughs) (laughs) but we we survived. Yeah. Remember that's where we got to the other side of the trail. And that's where the sign was that says, do not attempt this trail without proper gear. Yep. Yep. I took a sign of that. Exactly. Uh, Oh yeah. Good. Uh, is Portland the one, or is it a, a different city out west that um, had like a zone that was no police allowed type of zone, or it was like a a, a whole region or a neighborhood that was uh, self governing, or they wanted to be something like that? Do you know what I'm talking about at yeah, all? Yeah, that's Seattle. Um, okay. And um, boy, what do they call that? They, they, yeah, they had a name for their their little the jazz. What's yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, yeah, that was Seattle in in uh, in Seattle, um, Portland. You know the 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 uh, liberal mindset is 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 pretty close to the same. Whereas Seattle had had their Chaz zone, um, they just set Portland downtown on fire. So 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 uh, and and even now today, when you go downtown, um, that area of Portland has not been restored yet. So, um, and, and if you, same thing in Seattle, uh, that area of Seattle is a mess still. So, um, but yeah, and it, it, to me, you know, when I, when I think about it too, it, it, you know, from a spiritual aspect, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you see the beauty that exists beyond the mess, um, it, it kind of, kind of, uh, is indicative of, of, you know, what life on earth is like compared to, what we have to look forward to uh, in heaven. I mean, cause, cause honestly, there are, there are times when I'm driving, um, you know, outside or, or, or across the Columbia river or in Mount hood is standing tall and it's covered in snow and the river is, is reflecting it. It's like living in a postcard. It's just stunningly beautiful. Um, and, and, and so those are the moments that make it worth living here. 
definitely challenging. I, I would, I would, I would say that. Very good. Anything else you want to talk to Thad about Jeremy as far as Portland, or you want to get into the gospel lesson? Uh, well, I kind of feel like I'd like to dig up more dirt on your your past and your college years, but uh, <laughs> maybe we, maybe we should get to the lesson. Yeah. Well, you could try and dig up some dirt, but there isn't any, so that would be a short podcast then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, He's biting. is biting his tongue right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I I I I I want to make sure Mike can stay in the ministry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. All right, you ready, Jeremy? Yeah. So the gospel is John six. It, it, correct me if I have this wrong. It's uh, John sixteen, verse sixteen to twenty-four. That's correct. So it's the night before Jesus died, and in the upper room, he's talking to his disciples, and here's what he says. In a little while, you are not going to see me anymore, and again in a little while, you will see me, because I am going away to the Father. Therefore, some of his disciples asked one another, what does he mean when he tells us, in a little while, you are not going to see me, and again in a little while, you will see me, and because I am going away to the Father? So they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you trying to determine with one another what I meant by saying in a little while, you are not going to see me. And again, in a little while, you will see me. Amen. Amen. I tell you, you will weep and wail, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. A woman giving birth has pain because her time has come. But when she has delivered the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of her joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. In that day, you will not ask me anything. Amen, amen, I tell you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made complete. So, Thad, what is Jesus talking about in verse 16 when he says, in a little while? Well, I mean, I, I think that, that obviously he's referring to his death and resurrection. So the, the, um, the, the, the little while um, could be a reference to the three days in the grave. Uh, where they see him now, but they will see him again at his resurrection. I, that, you know, uh, I, I think that that's the obvious um, reference that Jesus is making there. Um, okay. But what else? I don't know. Is there another explanation, Jeremy? Uh, I suppose uh, another interpretation could be, um, his ascension. I mean, in this upper room, he's been talking about his departure, uh, and and even on Transfiguration, he was saying the departure, and so the whole thing kind of goes together of uh, his his death, his rising, and then ascending, and you're not going to see him, um, and, and then and then after a while of the little while of the whole New Testament era. Uh, 
then you will see him when he returns in glory. Is that yeah. kind of an, another option? Yeah, and that's exactly it from what I've studied on this is both of the explanations you guys gave is exactly what our Lutheran theologians have said. It could be either one of those of him. The little while is his death and then resurrection or his resurrection leading to his ascension. Uh, Next question. Jesus explains the reason for speaking about and leaving them and coming back. So Thad, what is that reason? Why is Jesus talking about this kind of stuff for, I think, four chapters in the upper room? Well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, just, just building on what we just talked about on that first point, um, we'll go back to that for a second with the little while. Um, you know, I, I think that, that, that when I read that too, I, I had the same thought Jeremy did in, in, in as, as far as the reference to even what Jesus, the last thing Jesus said, right, is, is behold, I'm coming soon, right, at the end of Revelation. So that just that would, would reference the that idea of a little while, right? Um, and I think that that you know that second point there, um, you know the the uh, reason for for leaving them in 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 coming back um, is to indicate too, you know what uh, his resurrection. He's going to leave them. He's going to die. He's going to leave them for a little while, but he's going to come back at the resurrection, right? So, and then the same thing's going to happen at the ascension is that he's going to leave, he's going to be gone for a little while, or behold, I'm coming soon. Uh, but it's to assure them, again, that he's coming back. Um, and, and of course, in the second coming, it's going to be at the resurrection of, of all flesh. So so that's kind of how I looked at that, is, is uh, that's his reasoning for speaking to them about leaving and coming back, because um, the, the, the first one, even speaks of the first one, is the first fruits, right? And then... Uh, from ascension until his resurrection, uh, until the resurrection of all flesh would be the, the, uh, you know, the great resurrection. So I, that's kind of how I looked at it, I guess. Anything you want to add to that, Jeremy? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. And what I was thinking here too, as dad was talking was uh, in Kentucky, because we had people move around so much in the military, you know, they were there for, two to three years only in the congregation. And then they'd be moving on to a different installation and usually a different mission church. And so we would have a commissioning service for them and the people didn't like it. I mean, they love that service, but the people who were leaving didn't like it because the last hymn that we sang always made them tearful. We would sing God be with you till we meet again. But that idea is there's that time of sorrow because we're, going to be absent from each other, but we're going to see each other again. Uh, Thad referenced before that uh, a few weeks ago that Thad and Kim and Shelly and I were down in San Antonio, Texas uh, for a 25th anniversary retreat that the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary puts on. And afterwards, Shelly and I were able to stay with uh, Roger and Debbie Carrasco, whom we hadn't seen for about 23, 24 years because they were members of ours down in Kentucky. And so it was a good reunion. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about here is there is that grief and sorrow where you're missing each other for a while, but then you're going to rejoice because you will see each other again. So then Jeremy, what is Jesus talking about with this relationship with 
uh, him and the father that up until this time, the disciples, if they needed something, they could go to Jesus. But now he says that they can go directly to the father. So explain that, that change. Uh, does it have something to do maybe with um, Jesus's work being complete that he's, he's finished living a perfect life. He's about to die a sacrificial death. And uh, with Jesus completed work, there doesn't need to be uh, a go between. You can, you can just go directly to your heavenly father. You, you may approach the throne of grace with confidence um, because, uh, because Jesus, Jesus work, he's wrapping it up. He's finished his earthly ministry. He, the, the payment for sins is as good as made. And uh, that, that makes us righteous in God's sight to, ask for anything and, uh, and expect it. So what does it mean that, that we pray in Jesus name? Cause so many of our prayers, whether it's our personal prayers or the uh, prayers in church, like say the prayer of the day, we end by praying in Jesus name. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think that that's just, uh, you know, based on, on, uh, the fact that we can approach God, we cannot approach God without, without Jesus. Um, you, you know, you, you cannot uh, stand before the Father. You can't stand before God um, without the cross. You know, and, and so, um, so I think that that's that's always been the 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 reference to you know why you know in different but related point you know why can only Christians pray. Right, um, it's, it's it's because you you can't approach God unless you do that through Christ, um, and I, and I and I think that you know in that way, you know you're looking at how their relationship with God obviously changed um, in that sense when Jesus completed His work uh, and paid for all sin so that, so that as Jeremy said, we can, we can then approach the we, we can approach God now. And I think that's uh, for our listeners. That's why when you listen to the prayer of the day, notice how it's always written through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, uh, or together with the father and the Holy spirit. And I just messed it all up. Uh, but we are always ending that in Jesus name. Even our personal prayers, we want to end uh, in Jesus' name. Now, that doesn't mean that if we forget to say in Jesus' name, we pray amen, that he's not going to listen. But it's what you guys are saying as we're praying through Jesus, through what he accomplished on the cross and out of the grave, so that he now intercedes for us and our prayers are brought to the Father's throne. What about this? When Jeremy was reading this, this struck me. Uh, verse 21, Jesus says, a woman giving birth has pain because her time has come. But when she's delivered the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of her joy that a person has been born into the world. Uh, you both have wives that have given birth to a number of children. Is Jesus accurate here? Did your wives no longer remember the pain? You're just trying to get us in trouble. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard a story once uh, that was told by the what would be the grandmother of the baby that uh, she was there with her daughter 
giving birth and the daughter was just the way the grandmother put it, the daughter was just, um, uh, you know, really having a hard labor and, and not at all enjoying the pain. And then as soon as uh, the baby was born, she, it was like just a switch uh, had flipped. And she said, uh, and the, the mother, the new mother was like, Oh, well, that was easy. She said something just really <laughs> like, oh, that that's that's all done or that's great now. It was like, um, yeah, I've I've heard and actually there have other other cases where I've heard of, yes, Jesus is accurate here. Okay. Well, yeah. I know of I know of a mother that you know, she was so far along, you know, that she was always planning on getting the medications, you know, to dull the pain. And she was far enough along, they couldn't give her any pain medication. And the midwife was there and the woman cried out to her, why are you trying to hurt me? But the pain was so bad. The mother never remember saying that, but hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All I know is that from a father's perspective, the, uh, the chairs in the delivery room are really uncomfortable. So, <laughs> so I was really glad when the child was born and I could forget that terrible pain of <laughs> sleeping in those chairs. Yeah, See, that's how you get into trouble. Right? It is. That is how you get in trouble. Because Shelly will always like to tell the story. I had story this hangnail. That... I had this hangnail while you were in labor. It was really killing me. Yeah, it was yeah. really hurting. Yeah, Shelly likes to tell the story that I was watching the NFL uh, <laughs> draft during two of our daughters. And, you know, she loves to tell that story. And it was true. It was on but I could care less about the NFL and the draft. It just happened to be on. Uh, but I, know, I, had, I have a brother. I was like, I have a brother-in-law who uh, he and his, he, he got in agreement with his wife that they would take a, a gag photo of him playing his Nintendo game boy or whatever it was while uh, it was all <laughs> a setup, but that, but she said she, later on, she said, yeah, we took that picture really fast. And then he put he, put it down. He, he had to put it down. <laughs> well, I just read a story last week of a, they had pictures of a dad that really did that though. He was playing video games during the birth of the child. So that's not oh, cool. Man. No, that, that doesn't bode well for his future. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I've, if you, if you've talked to anyone who's had kidney stones, cause I had kidney stones one time, they will say it's like, giving birth uh and yeah thankfully you don't have that pain too often but yeah jesus is accurate of, and then what he's talking about well i guess the key then jeremy is what is he talking about here of the pain of childbirth and then that pain well, goes thing, away and the joy is and is replaced by joy the one thing that it, like you were saying struck you while while we were reading and struck me it was the you will weep and wail, but the world will rejoice. And I, I was kind of thinking about, again, what we were discussing earlier with Portland and how a lot of the protesters, especially here in this area with the Kenosha issues, uh, a lot of the protesters are not even people who are uh, disenfranchised. They're, they're kind of entitled, you know, upper middle class or upper class uh, kids that just uh they 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 
they go out and they destroy and ruin all this stuff. And then they can go home to their nice, you know, trust fund type of lives. And uh, th that, that was what kind of came out to me when I was reading, you will weep and wail, but the world will rejoice. Um, it's, it's no big deal for, for people. I, I don't know. Does that, does that kind of reflect what, what you're dealing with out there in Portland? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think so. I, the, uh, um, you know, when I, I, when I read this text over it, just, it, it, it really spoke to, um, you know, a lot of the things that you see happening and going on in, in, in the city, as far as, uh, um, you know, the, the attitudes that, you know, the, the, uh, when you live in, in, uh, a situation where it seems like every, everything that, that you try to do according to your Christian faith um, is squashed by um, the laughing uh, unbelievers, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, you really get that, 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 that sense that you are in, in this situation, especially where we're at in, in this county, just completely outnumbered and everybody's, you know, laughing at you. Um, and, and now is your time of grief, right? In that sense, as I say. And um, however, um, the, the comfort that this gives to us is that that time is coming, of course, then that uh, um, we, we will be able to rejoice and no one will ever take that, that joy away. So, um, yeah, I mean, this, that portion of the text really reminded me a lot of, of what life might be like on a day-to-day -day basis um, in, in the situation now in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Ted, Ted, do you ever feel like a little guy on the soccer field that keeps getting knocked down and getting back up again? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know why anyone would do that, but, but, you know, it's, uh, takes a lot of courage to keep getting back up again. You just um, do it in a psychological way. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's courage or stupidity, but um. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I yell at my girls all the time playing soccer. You got to slide tackle, slide tackle, because I always did a lot of slide tackling. And Shelly will always say you have to teach them how to slide tackle first. But uh, see, see, when I when, when I when I had that that guy on meth come into my office, Mike. Yeah. I did not slide tackle. You did not. You just tackled him. Huh? I just tackled him. So, okay. so, so, you know, see, see, slide tackling would not have had been helpful there. Yeah. You got to sweep the leg. That's a karate <laughs> kid thing. Uh, sweep the leg. So, but you know, to, to Jeremy's point, when I, when I was reading this too, it, it reminded me of a couple things, just that, that whole, now is your time of grief, but you will, uh, but when I see you again, you will rejoice. I thought of, I also thought of, you know, I thought of the disciples, on uh, Easter evening when they were walking back to Emmaus and, and, you know, they were downcast, it says. And, and, I, and that, that thought came into my mind is, is, is they were downcast until when, until they saw Jesus again. Right. Um, you know, I also thought of what, what, what Paul said, you know, when he talked about uh, um, our momentary troubles, um, you know, and, 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 you know, while it looks bad right now and it hurts right now, your grief is seems to be great right now. Um, it's just a moment. And, and, and um, I had a, a, a circumstance with one of my members years ago 
where uh, he was a younger guy. He's like 45 years old. He had cancer really bad. And, uh, and, you know, one thing that he said that I will never forget, even as he was going through the worst part of his cancer, um, which was extremely painful. Um, he, he, I remember visiting him and he said, and it was a really bad day. And he said, don't worry. This is, this just, this is just a moment, right? He had a really good concept of, of earthly life compared to eternal life. Um, you know, that, that the, the, the momentary pain, this is, this is just a moment. This is just a, a little, a little, uh, poke, right. Uh, but what comes next will last forever. So I, I thought of those are some thoughts that jumped into my mind when I, when I read, I love verse 22. I think it's a powerful verse. Well, and then the last question I have for you guys is then leading into verse 23. Uh, Jesus says in that day, you will not ask me anything. So Jeremy, to what does in that day refer? And why don't we need to pray for anything in that day? Um, I mean, if you look at what comes after it, uh, it's not so much that you will not ask anything. It's that you will not ask Jesus anything. And I, and I think it's important not to lose sight of the fact that he was speaking this originally to his 12 apostles. Um, so, yeah, it does apply to all believers in a sense. But um, these were the men who were his direct uh, students and had a, a friendly personal relationship with him um, and that they that they were going to be able to fly on their you know to kind of use a bird analogy they were going to be able to fly on their own uh, without needing him to you know coax them along or to to do the flying for them um, they they can go to the father on their own they don't need him to to teach them um, and that's really the thing that I try to, there's a little bit of a soapbox for me. So, I mean, you, you, you picked out the readings for the Sunday uh, and uh, you're dead. So you're the one to blame for the soapbox, Michael. Um, They're just the it, scripture readings. I just thought that I picked them out. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, so here's what it is. Okay. Um, I see a lot more Bible passages saying that God will give us what we ask for in prayer than ones that say he will deny our prayer. Um, and, I, and I know all of the go-to passages for saying that God will say no, and I, I would love to discuss those more in detail, but those aren't the reading here. So the reading here is a positive example where Jesus says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And then, and then he says it again, uh, verse 24, ask and you will receive. Jesus spends a lot more time saying that than I, I struggle to find even one example of a time when Jesus says, eh, God might say no to you. Um, you might have to wait until eternity. You might, it might not be until the heavenly kingdom that you finally get what you asked for, but uh, I maintain that God does give us what what we ask for, and it and if if we stop asking for it, um, then why should He give it to us? 
But if we keep asking him like the persistent widow, um, that's, that's what he spends a lot more time saying uh, here. Well, with that, uh, I think one of the things that we can pray for and is more called workers. Uh, I had the privilege last Saturday to be up at MLC for graduation and call day. It was the first time I've been up there for that. And I went up there because it was uh, graduation for Madison Sunstall. I, there are others that were graduating too, but I was up there for her because I had baptized her uh, 22 years ago as a seven month old. And now she was graduating from MLC. And then we stayed for call day and we were blessed to get two teachers on call day to come to our school here in Racine. But even with all of the young people that are being placed into grade schools and high schools, there's still 140 vacancies for teachers. And there's still 125, over 125 pastoral vacancies. Uh, and so just for our people, just keep on praying. Uh, praying that more young men and women step up. Uh, I'll be mentioning it in my sermon this Sunday that I'm just encouraged by our congregation in that uh, I've been here 18 years. And in the history of our congregation, since I've been here, we've only graduated one student or sent one student on to MLC to be a teacher. And that was a pastor's daughter from Shoreland. But now we're blessed to have uh this next year, three men at MLC that are studying to become teachers. And then at Shoreland, we've got at least half a dozen from our congregation that want to go to MLC, one to be a pastor and the other teachers. And so as we keep on praying for our congregation to keep on sending these young people and for the rest of our, our church body to keep praying for young people. Uh, obviously, there's lots, there's lots of things to pray for, but that's just one thing on top of my mind to keep on praying for, because the Lord of the church, as you said, Jeremy, he's going to, he's going to send us the workers, but we got to keep praying for them. And yeah, especially if it's something that he told us to ask for, he said, ask the Lord of the harvest for workers, uh, especially if it's things God told us to pray for, it, it would actually be blasphemous to think that you might not get it yeah. uh, because that God told you, First of all, ask and receive. Second of all, here's a specific thing you should ask for. Uh, and uh, I, I heard a really neat analogy uh, from a devotion on this text one time that I think is worth sharing. Um, and it was kind of like, uh, imagine that you got uh, partnering hardware stores across the street from each other. And uh, Jesus is in the one. And he says, go over to the other one where my father is across the street and ask him for this tool or this piece of equipment and uh, then tell him it's, it's in my name. That's that it's actually Jesus asking for this, this thing. And then you go over there and if you just walked in off the street and said, Hey, give me this, uh, the father would have no reason to, to listen to you, but when you say it's it's in Jesus' name that I'm asking for this item, uh, that and that shows remarkable confidence that our Savior is putting in us. That He's saying, "Yeah, go ahead, what, blank slate, whatever you ask for, uh, I'll I'll put my signature on it." Um, that's that's kind of a high honor that Jesus gives us. Well, that's better 
Then one of our young people, uh, he works at a local store here, a hardware store. And when I walk in, he goes, oh, pastor, what do you want? You know, it'd be much better if, if we, he would say, oh, hey, there's something on reserved for you that Mrs. Darling has already paid for. Yeah. Instead no. of what, what, are you, what are you doing here? What do you want? <laughs> no, I really like that analogy, Jeremy. That's a, that's, that, that demonstrates the power behind Jesus' name. Right. And, and Mike's analogy demonstrates the lack of power behind right. his name. Right. That's right. <laughs> yep. Uh, anything else you guys want to bring up in the gospel lesson? I did. The only thing that I had jotted down when I read through it was just the reference. I think, I think this is a great reference to Psalm 30 um, because we know, as we know, well, know Michael, the Psalms are applicable to absolutely everything in life. Right? That's right. And you so, should know them like the back of your hand. The back of your hand, right. Um, that was, we, we had five sessions on all 150 Psalms when we were in, in San Antonio. So that's what, ah. that's what that's referencing to. Yeah. Oh, and it, was your uh, presenter, uh, pa uh, retired Pastor Bivens? Nope. Pastor Wardell. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. but, but Psalm 30 references that's, that's where in, in verse five, it says, for we spend a moment under his anger, but we enjoy a lifetime in his favor in the evening weeping comes to stay through the night, but in the morning there is rejoicing as I love that, that reference. And I think that that's really applicable to, to uh, this text. Very good. Uh, Jeremy, we had some time if you want to get into the second reading from revelation 21. Sure. Uh, and just like the first reading, the uh, verse number starts on the same as the chapter number. Wow. That's pretty astute right there. It was that. Is, do I have that right? 21 to the end? Yeah, 21 through 27. Okay. Uh, this is John uh, explaining his vision of uh, glory in the, in the next life. The 12 gates are 12 pearls. Each of the gates is made out of one pearl. And the street of the city is pure gold, like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, because the glory of God has given it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. There is no day when its gates will be shut, for there will be no night in that place. They will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Nothing that is unclean and no one who does what is detestable or who tells lies will ever enter it, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So John says there, the, the street of the city is pure gold. So the city's name is Jerusalem. Uh, there's two versions of the same hymn in our new hymnal, Jerusalem, the golden and we have a former principal, he and I have a disagreement, Thad and Jeremy, about which version of Jerusalem the Golden we're going to be singing in heaven, uh, <laughs> whether it's going to be Ewing or Thaxted. And do you guys have an opinion? For Jerusalem the Golden? Yeah. Well, Thaxted, see, see you can take Thaxted and, and uh, um, apply that to different hymns, but, but you can't do that with with Ewing. So, so I, I've always liked Ewing for Jerusalem, the golden personally. 
Okay. Jeremy, you got an opinion? Uh, in heaven, I say we get both of them because yeah. variety is the spice of life. Nice. All right. <laughs> well, I just make sure that he knows that he's wrong and we're going to be singing Thaxted. Uh, so, Jeremy, what is the city? Do you, do you know? Do you know? Uh, I, we're also going to be speaking German in heaven. Oh, so that's we're going to be official. Ma- that's the official language. So we're going to sound mad at each other all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, Jeremy, what doesn't the city need, and why? Uh, the well, a couple of things: the sun, moon, and a temple. So God is God is the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of reminds me of Jesus saying, "Tear this temple down, and I'll rebuild it in three days." Uh, if Jesus is in heaven, which he is, uh, his human body is is the dwelling of God uh, among humans, uh, and so you you don't you don't need a physical structure to worship God. You can just look him in the eye and worship him, um, and then uh, the the brightness of God makes it uh, unnecessary to have uh, a sun, moon, or lamps because uh, God's God's glory keeps it lit. Thad, why won't the gates of the city ever be shut? Well, I mean, I, I think that that the shutting of the gates, correct me if I'm wrong, in 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 earthly cities would indicate to keep enemies out, right? And that's why they shut the gates at night. Um, and just the, the, the lack of, the lack of, uh, obviously of sin, but the lack of, of any enemies against the, the you know, the, the church, the, the city of God, there, there, there aren't any. So there's no need to shut the gates ever again is kind of the way that I, that I look that at it. That would be really, um, that would be really uh, meaningful, I think, for people at your congregation to think of, you know, if you've got so if you're so overwhelmed, your police force is so overwhelmed, you can't even call them for a, an issue with a pimp and a prostitute out in front of your church. Uh, just to think of, yeah, what if we just uh, didn't lock up at night? What if we just left our doors open all night? Uh, that would be just ridiculous to think of. But well, I can That's tell you what safe. happens then. <laughs> what happens then is everything gets stolen. I mean, we, we've been broken into, and there have been times when the church was unlocked, and it and it 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 gets invaded. You know, and to that point, Jeremy is that uh, um, even last even on last Sunday, um, and on Sundays throughout, you know, different parts of the 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 church here. Um, when things are going on outside, you know, it was like, should we lock the door? Um, you know, we've had people walk in off the street in the middle of a church service um, and very questionable people. Um, and, and, and there have been times during a church service that I honestly don't know what's going to happen next. Um, you know, I had a circumstance a few years ago where a guy walked in we, had a, we have a door in the front of the church that was standing open because it was summer and it was hot out. And man walked right in. Uh, beginning of the service, long black trench coat, sat down in the front pew. Mm. And uh, um, laughed uh, at, you know, this cackling laugh at in, like inappropriate times. 
um, when something wasn't supposed to be funny. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah. So you, you, you don't have to, you know, I read that too. And I said, I don't, I'm not going to have to worry about that in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're telling that story reminded me and for our listeners from water of life, you know, the reason why we lock the doors from our church to the school now on Sunday mornings and through the week is because of this, is that uh, a couple of years ago, during a worship service, we had a couple come in. And so this was later in the service, like during the sermon. And the lady came up, sat in the back, one of the back pews. But then our usher, he was standing there. You know, you can see the service inside and then see uh, our friendship room, our fellowship area and that front door. But there was a guy down by the, uh, that front door just kind of standing there. Didn't, didn't come up the steps. And then that usher left to help with communion. And then when he came back, both of them were gone. And then about an hour after service, the, that usher and another member, they were talking about it. I said, that seemed really weird. So they went back to church and they heard something in the attic, a bump. So they called the police and the police came and checked everything out. And then that usher called me and said, you know, anyone that's going to be going to church today. And I said, yeah, I'm going to be there in five minutes. So I walked around the whole time with keys in my hand, just in case someone popped out, but we don't know if they were hiding in the church, they walked out or whatever, but you know, they could have come in the church and at that time come in the church and then gone into the school and we never find them. So that's mm-hmm. why we lock those doors now on Sunday morning and during the week so that people that come in for worship or come in to talk to me or whatever during the week, they can't get over by the kids and so forth. But yeah, that, that whole concept, like you guys are talking about of that security of being in the church uh, in heaven, because we're in Jerusalem, the golden, you know, that's, that's important in heaven because we don't have that security now. Well, I mean, even on a day-to-day basis, I mean, at your school, you keep the front doors of the school locked during the day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. In fact, we even lock all our classroom doors during the day. Mm. Um, you know, just, well, that's protocol. Um, and, and, you know, to not ever have to worry about that again, you know, here it seems incomprehensible that you keep the doors of the school open during the day. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And then Jeremy, you know, this and that you probably have it out there too, is the Alice training. You know, yeah. that yeah, I was just thinking of that. I was yeah, about uh no more no more shooters that uh just cause tragedy, unspeakable tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I walk in to say the, the preschool classroom and there's a little piece of cardboard that's glued onto uh a magnet and it's there and what it is is to be able to slip over or slip away from the door so they can be locked immediately if yeah an active shooter comes in just a little simple gadget and i know jeremy you've got it in your classrooms at shoreland of you know the door stops to be able to put behind the door if there's an active shooter to keep that you know you lock the door and he can't barge through yeah and and it, it is a sad reality of the life we live in and yet what Jesus is presenting to John here, all of that terror is gone. Uh, last question I have for you guys is what's the similarity 
between the first two chapters of the Bible and then these last two chapters of the Bible. So what's the similarity between the first two and the last two? Either one of you guys can answer them. Are you getting into the new heavens and the new earth there? Is that what I don't know. That's up to you. Down? Well, I think that's... that's. Hey, you never said uh, what side you take in the whole uh, Jerusalem, the golden debate. Oh, it's taxed. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah I, I, I just, I made sure that, that Paul is wrong. That's the key. <laughs> Whatever he said, I was going to say the opposite. So, so you're going to be seeing Thaxted in heaven while everybody else is seeing Ewing? That's yeah. going to sound weird. <laughs> it is, but I'll finally have a, a good singing voice, so it won't matter. <laughs> yeah. And you'll be colorblind. That will be, worth, that will be worth getting to heaven for. <laughs> That's right. Just to listen to you sing. Yep. It's and exactly you'll, and you'll, finally, you'll finally be able to tell what colors are. <laughs> you know, I wrote that in the hymn devotion this week. It's exactly <laughs> it. I said those two points. I said, I'll be able to see the glories and the colors of heaven, and I'll be able to sing the song of the saints. You guys nailed them. <laughs> so thanks. Thank you for pointing out my deficiencies that will be cleared up in heaven. That's what we're here for. Yeah. So, Jeremy, what's the similarity between these two chapters? The two, first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of Revelation? Uh. So now does this, is the, is the dragon already gone from the, oh yeah, I suppose it, the, there's, there's no serpent even into first two chapters of Genesis. Right. Um, mm. uh, there's a wedding. They both have, they both have marriages of the ah. uh, Adam and Eve and uh, Christ and his bride. Uh, there's, there's a tree of life, paradise, the recreated the created and the recreated um, universes. Yeah, uh, you got the, the river that runs through the, the new city and the river that went through Eden. Sure. Yeah. Uh, no, and, un, no uncleanness, no imperfection, no sin. Yeah, no sin. And, and uh, Thad hit on this, Jeremy. Uh, another one of the things that you like to talk about is the new heaven and the new earth. Not just heaven. A new heaven, a new earth. Right. Yes. Not going to be disembodied floating spirit world. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think I'm also going to use this. So I, I told myself that I have to. So you won't, uh, Michael, you won't see me in church on Sunday. And the reason is not that I'm preaching or attending a different church. It's because I'm going to be sleeping. Oh. Um, but. The reason I'm going to be sleeping is because I will have been chaperoning a whole bunch of Shoreland seniors at grad night at Six Flags uh, the previous night. Lord willing, this is what uh, I'm going to be doing tomorrow night. Um, and uh, since they and, and I will not be uh, able to attend church in the morning, we're going to have a church service before we leave on Saturday night. And uh, just a little kind of devotional thing at Shoreland. And I, and I wanted to pick uh, one of these readings that we'd go through as the text for uh, devotion uh, with them. And I think I'm going to go with this one just because of all the references to there will be no more night and uh, the, the, the gates will never be shut. And I don't know. Can you think of uh, any applications that I could make for the high schoolers from this text? 
Oh, let's see. I was I was thinking of the you know, the gates uh, the gates of the uh, theme park and the um, well the, the sun moon not needing to shine. Well, yeah, you can tell them. You know, it says here, verse twenty-seven: nothing that is unclean, and no one that is detestable it tells lies. So tell them you better be clean with what you're doing there. Yes, you know, yes. Keep, yeah, you better, you, you better not be telling me any lies either. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, that verse twenty-seven is a great contrasting theme for Portland. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> unclean and detestable. <laughs> no one who does what is detestable and tells lies yeah and and since you're going to six flags you can make that contrast between six flags that uh, i've been there often enough they have the signs all over that say the cleanest park in america and it's not you know <laughs> it, it is definitely not clean like disney world is clean you don't see a single piece of trash anywhere in disney but you will even in the dark at at six flags but yeah, there's another contrast. Good. Yeah. Well, good. Well, have fun with that. I'm going to have about 20 to 37th through 12th graders over at my house. Maybe not the 12th graders because they're going with you, but uh, we have a, a lawn games and bonfire at our house, unless it's pouring rain like now the forecast says, and then they're all going to be inside my house playing games. But it's a good youth activity to get uh, kids to know each other better because we're going to be spending time in heaven. So. That's what I know. I thought that was the Zarling Jedi temple. Yep. That's what I call my house. The Zarling Jedi temple. <laughs> so, all right. You guys got anything else you want to talk about with these two texts? I'm good. Well, I'm good. Covered it. Well, all right. Well, thanks. So this is Michael Zarling with Thad Bitter and travel lightning stay thirsty my friends then drink deeply from the water of life <laughs> <laughs>